Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. You asked for it, and Showmance is delivering. Join former Glee stars and best friends Kevin McHale and Jenna Ushkowitz as they take you behind the scenes with all the Glee, tea, and breakdown episodes from season one of Glee with former cast members, producers, and writers that brought the show to life. Be sure to subscribe to Showmance on Podcast One, Apple Podcast, and other podcast apps so you can get new episodes every week. Hey everybody, welcome to Dr. Who Podcast. Uh, we're going to do a little call-in show today. And uh, appreciate your support, appreciate keeping wins in the sale of the Corolla Pirate Ship. And I'm going to ask you guys to head over to drdrew.tv and sign up there for our call-in show on Sundays, which is a live streaming show about 3 o'clock Pacific time. And we're trying to do a daily dose show that's uh, still trying to find its time. We do some in the morning, some in the afternoon, which is just a half-hour interactive live stream on uh, Periscope, Facebook, Mixer, all the all Twitch, everywhere, wherever you can uh, see a stream, we put it up there. And uh, it's really kind of satisfying to give as much information out as possible. You guys are very supportive and ask lots of good questions. And, of course, don't forget about After Dark. Um, Dr. Drew After Dark is uh, available at drdrew.com and also your mom's house where you can see, hopefully soon, the Robert Paul Champagne Home Tour, which is something to behold. Let me uh, go out to your calls right now, and this is uh, Leslie. Leslie, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Drew. Leslie, got up? a question for you yes, about ma'am. chronic um, marijuana use and how that affects um, what, if any, effect it has in causing erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Uh, over long periods of time, cannabis can really drive down your testosterone levels. So, uh, okay. You know, it, it makes sense that this would be happening. It, the The problem, though, is how old is this person? This person is 47. All right. So does he smoke cigarettes also? Mm, no. And do you notice that is it really just the erection that's the problem, or is he also low libido? <clears throat> no, it's just... The erection. All right. So it's really important for anybody over the age of about 40 or 45, if they if a male who gets erectile dysfunction, first thing to do is make sure this isn't a manifestation of heart disease. It turns out right. that yeah, it turns out the artery to the penis is about even more sensitive to coronary to hardening and, and then cholesterol deposition than the coronary arteries, but it is one of, it's it's in a significant percentage of cases, it's the first sign. That there is a heart problem. Okay. So it, when somebody in their forties or fifties comes with erectile dysfunction, my my way of handling it is first thing is get you up on a treadmill. Very first thing. And, right. And has he tried medication yeah. for it? No. That's the other thing to do nope. is to get some. Another. You uh, get some meds going right. after he's been screened for heart disease. Right. What about does does marijuana increase estrogen and does yeah. that play into the ED? It does increase estrogen and it lowers testosterone both. And yes, both okay. both can figure in. The, though the estrogen effects in an adult are not that great, it actually causes, been well known to cause gynecomastia in adolescent males. Uh, adolescent males right. certainly already have a certain amount of, of estrogen being produced uh, through their adipose and adrenal glands, and it does enhance that a bit. So it, it's 
you know, it, it affects your endocrine biology. If you look any substance when you have large levels of exposure over periods of time, it's going to affect your biology. It just does. And, exactly. Uh, all right. All okay. right. Thanks for your help. All right. Good luck. Uh, yeah, there are. I, I was going to talk about a story that was in the press recently about a fighter that said he was going to masturbate seven times a day in order to raise his testosterone levels. Do you read about that? Sure. Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. He's a bad man. He is a bad man. And when somebody's masturbating seven times a day to completion, it makes me worry, A, they're doing some androgenic steroids to make that possible, and B, or B, they're manic. In boxing? How dare you? I know. And so He's had a, a, quite a history. I don't know if you it, know his history. I he, don't. He ballooned uh, up to 400 pounds after he had won the heavyweight title and was had all kinds of substance abuse problems, was driving his Ferrari at over 100 miles an hour doing oh, good suicidal times. type well, stuff. Well, he's sort of manic-y right and, there. Yeah, and Probably both back. steroids and manic, so good times. But uh, but what I want to say is that seven times a day, yes, there are spikes in testosterone associated with masturbation in males, but it goes back to baseline immediately following completion. However, what has been shown is that if you don't get enough sexual activity, in other words, your testosterone level sort of has an inverted U associated with it. So if you're having very, very, very little uh, very little sexual activity, your testosterone level will fall. You have to sort of have a optimum level. If you have too much, it starts to drop down again. And seven times a day to me seems like more in the too much version, but okay. Uh, yeah, just be careful, everybody. Know, you know your physiology. I don't think he's doing himself much good, let's put it that way. And he may, by the way, if he's doing that on the day of the fight, what happens all afterwards also is your blood, your brain gets flooded with, with serotonin and you want to sleep. So I mean, I'm not sure it's a great idea neurobiologically. Very good advice. I, as a cynic, tend to wonder if he didn't know that's clickbaity and would get quite a bit of coverage for his Fair upcoming enough. fight. If he's one of those guys, I get he, it. He makes a lot of money based on how many pay-per-views they sell. I get it. Uh, and uh, okay, let's get some calls in here. This is uh, Robin. Robin. Hey. Hey, what's going on? Not much. I'm very excited to talk to you. I've been a listener for a very, very long time. Thank you. <laughs> what's going on? Well, I'm calling because um, I have trigeminal neuralgia, mm-hmm. and um, you know I don't hear a lot in the news or anything about trying to find a cure for it. And I'm just wondering well, if you have any um, the thoughts o- on that. The only cure, when it's appropriate, and it's just for certain kinds of trigeminal neuralgia, the only cure is surgical. Sometimes people get nodes on that trigeminal nerve and they can kind of ream it out, so to speak. They can kind of clear it. But that's kind of the unusual case. Most And trigeminal neuralgia, okay, your trigeminal nerve is the nerve on that, that's sensory to your face. And we can, yeah. and it comes out of the skull at a certain spot uh, each side of your face. And it has three different components to it. And one or all of these components can get involved in a neuralgia, meaning a painful nerve. It's an electrical, burning, awful feeling. Uh-huh. And lo yeah. and behold, uh, it's actually one of the more unpleasant feelings that people can get can develop. And it usually comes in attacks. So trigeminal uh-huh. neuralgia will kind of come and go. Do you have frequent attacks? 
Um, yeah, I take um, Tegretol and Gabapentin. Okay, so those are the those are the classic treatments. Uh, Tegretol is a whole treatment for it, but it does work. And Gabapentin or Neurontin is a effective treatment. It sort of decreases the irritability of the nerve. Let's just describe it that way. Does it work for you? Yeah. How often do you have attacks? Um, it seems to be helping. I, I also have fibromyalgia, so oh boy. I have the nerve pain not only in my face but throughout my body. All right, so, so bo- both those medicines are mm-hmm. also good for um, fibromyalgia, though not great. Uh, and uh, what I would tell you, the one thing that I've noticed about fibromyalgia that really helps fibromyalgia patients is attention to your sleep. Do you have lousy sleep? Um, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Sleep hygiene, I'm convinced, is a major contributor to fibromyalgia. And it's hard because you never know, you know, is it the cart of the horse? Is the fibromyalgia messing up my sleep? Or does the sleep disturbance cause the fibromyalgia? Who cares? Improving your sleep yeah. will improve your fibromyalgia symptoms. So that's something for you to work on. I, and the one thing I can tell you that I have trouble getting patients to do is – if your sleep is disrupted because you had a rampaging, abusive parent that was cruising around at night and scaring the hell out of you as a kid, that is a common cause of disturbed sleep hygiene that never gets identified. And then people will never refuse to treat it, which I find extremely challenging. Did you have anything like that? Uh, no. Okay. So all. your nights as a child, no, your, uh, your nights were cool as a child. They uh, weren't disturbed. Yeah. Yeah, they were good. Um, I mean, recently we've been having some issues. I, I take melatonin mm, um, to try to help me get a good night's sleep. Good. But um, a few months ago, my daughter's friend uh, committed suicide, and he was 13. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, it's been pretty rough around here. So, you know, it, you kind of are walking on eggshells right now in our mm, house, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's a different so, thing. That this is an, a, That's an acute problem, and that's going to make everything worse, right? To make all your symptoms worse. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sorry. Yeah. That, and so I've been awful. trying to get good sleep, but, you know, everything right now is just kind of stressful. So we're doing yeah. the best we can to get counseling for our daughter and things like that. So You sound pretty um, good for somebody with fibromyalgia and trigeminal neuralgia. <laughs> what miserable conditions. Ugh, <laughs> awful. Thank you. Yeah, I've been, I've had it for a long time. And so I did see a few years ago on that show, Doctors. There was um, a young girl who was on there, and she had, um, I don't think it was gamma procedure. I think it was something else where they went in and they kind of wrapped felt around the nerves. There's various procedures. There's, um, there's various procedures they can do. And, and I've only, my, in my experience, I've only had one patient have that procedure, but it worked 100, uh-huh. but it worked 100%. So I, it, it, oh, wow. it, again, it, it's, you have to be properly selected because it can also make things worse, right? You're messing with the nerve there. And uh, that can that yeah. can also fire things up pretty badly. Yeah, not fun. Yeah. Huh? Well, I'm sorry, Robin. Yeah, I'm but, hoping I figure something out. But, but and how is your? I'm, I'm very glad to talk to you. Pleasure. How's, how's your mood doing with all this? Um, I I think I'm going to get some counseling myself because of uh, you know just with everything, it's just been a lot. Um, lack of sleep. You know, daughter going through a lot, and then also my physical pain. Mm. You know, adds up over time. Where is your? I've noticed. uh, Notice what? I'm sorry. Tell me, you noticed Uh, what? Well, I was diagnosed. I would. I. I think my trigeminal started when I was around 12 years old, and it's progressively gotten worse as I've gotten older. 
And so it's definitely, and I now have it, they call it mirrored. So I now have it on the other side of my face. I oh, guess boy. my nerve on my right side is mirroring my left side. Great. And Lucky, uh, lucky you. Yeah. So, yeah, so I just feel like, you know, all these years, it's just. Have you, you know, had, have, have you, have you seen a rheumatologist? Um, I have. We live up here in Alaska, and where we live, there is no really any rheumatology care where I'm currently at. I live up by Fairbanks, and um, but I was seeing one a couple years ago down in New Mexico. This uh, this may really sound good. this may sound weird, and and I don't mean this to be mm-hmm. positive or negative. It's just a, an impression I'm having mm-hmm. talking to you. You you don't uh-huh. strike me as the usual fibromyalgia patient. And so I'm wondering, have other people told you that? Mm, I mean, I haven't talked to a lot of people. The doctors. Have ever other doctors went, you know, your case is kind of uh, unusual? No, I haven't, actually. Okay. Well, you, you strike me, again, I have almost no business saying something like that in the you know, three-minute conversation we're having. But it makes me wonder, mm-hmm. it, what, what I start to wonder when things are out of the ordinary it makes me wonder if there's an underlying something going on here that needs to be identified. I mean, you have a lot of stuff going on, and I'm wondering if there's something complicated underlying all this. That that you got to remember. I mean, trigeminal neuralgia is a, but both trigeminal neuralgia, to be fair, and fibromyalgia are syndromes, right? They're not diagnoses, so sometimes they can be caused by something else. And I get this feeling that that something else might be something man- more manageable for you. So that's just my two my two cents. And and it would be in the rheumatology yeah. immunology realm if it, if there's an answer there. Okay. Okay. Oh, all right. Great. Yeah. Let me know if you if you ever do get yeah if you ever do get another pair of eyes from that discipline looking at you. Let me know what they say. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. I appreciate your time. Thank all right. you so much. You got it. Robin. Take care. Alexandra Daytig, what's going on with Recall Garcetti? Hey, Dr. Drew, how are you? I'm good. What's going I, on? I have no idea what is happening in Los Angeles. Everybody's too busy to care. Or maybe they're just too busy, period, because they're trying to catch up with uh, with the state taxes, you know, paying all that <laughs> hefty state, state taxes. Somebody's <laughs> got to pay for 151,278 homeless people, right? Yeah, somebody's got to. Well, but no are one's... Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, 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 I got you. So, yeah, yeah, somebody needs to, even though the money now is available, they just can't do anything with it because the laws prevent us from helping these people. But, Dr. Drew, did you see what it said in the governor's emergency declaration that he signed on the 8th I, of I, January? Did you see that? Well, maybe. What, what did you see? I, I, I was shocked. It says It says that over in 2018, they knew that more than 200 cities and counties had a shelter space emergency. That we have 482, 482 cities and 58 counties in the state of California. That was back in 2018. So if they had 200 in 2018, how, how much do we have now? We know the numbers have been going up. Right. Dr. Drew, half the state of California has a shelter space emergency, which I looked up the code section that, that the governor has in his emergency declaration and that means all everything like Skid Row, you know, no no safe food storage, no bathroom, no shower, no well, hygiene. Well, let me tell you what's happening. I think I know what's happening. I think the executive branch of the and, – and Ben Carson particularly gave a little call to the leaders in California and said, we're going to do something. 
and we'd like you to ask us. We're happy to collaborate with you. If you want to save face by asking us in, please do so. But it's time. It, it, it can't go on. This is but, this is unconscionable. You know what? You know what's you know what's really baffling me though mm. is is that you know I listened to both governor Governor Newsom's news conferences uh, two days ago when when he went on his tour to tour all of the the um, emergency shelters. Yep. And first of all, he said exactly what we've been saying. You know, it's been twenty years in the making. It's gotten worse in the past ten years. That we have a right to be angry but that he's declaring a non-federal state of emergency that he will not be asking the federal government for help. Well, that's then the, the counties... That's opposite of what Catherine Barger says and Eric Garcetti. Then the counties and the cities will get the help. Some, something of that you nature. You know what, though? That makes no sense. Yeah, of I course mean, it does They're doesn't. all rolling in a different well, direction. Well, listen to what else he said. He went on to say, I think it was yesterday, somebody, a reporter said, what, what about all the drug addiction in the street? What, what are we going to do about mm-hmm. that? He goes... Why would I? Wh- why are you taking issue with that? Don't you have a glass of wine when you uh, sit up and watch TV at night? It's okay for these oh, people. To, yeah, that's literally oh, what he no. said. Oh yes, oh yes. Oh, that is. Look that up. I mean, he, he's a disgrace. Well, he's that disgrace. that was now that he's was a to lower traffic tickets for everybody who's got twenty six thousand dollars or less income. God, at your expense. Yeah, I, I, it's, uh, that, that that to me is just stop. I can't even tell you how upset I, I'm. So I'm so upset. I'm. So it, it really is too much when you start to look at what's going on. It really it makes me want to leave the state. I, I keep I, and there's, and by the way, Alex, Alex, there's no one I speak to when I bring it up that doesn't have a plan. Everyone has a plan to leave. Everyone. It's uncanny. Yeah, because the government here has no plan. What are we going to do well, when the government has no plan? It's un, everything's unraveling right under our nose, and it's you know uh, John Morlock went up to Sacramento and did another attempt to modify Lantern at Petrus, which is the law that California uses to determine right. how we are able to help people and hold people and people whose brains aren't working right, how we get them into treatment. And they brought families up there begging the Congress, begging them, let us bring our loved one home. We have a bed. We have money. We have food. We have a doctor ready to go. And they were told to get the F out of there. Get out. Scram. Yeah, Who do yeah, you think yeah. you are? Exactly. Who do you think exactly. you are? Exactly. And, and, and you know what, though? You know what really floored me today is um, Catherine Barger and, and, uh, and, and for people, and, 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 and let me just say, Larry Mantle. And they, hold and on, hold said, on, hold on, said, slow down, slow down. Uh-huh. This, this, we're a national audience here. So for people that don't know who Alex is talking about, there is a downtown – there are several missions downtown in Los Angeles that have been dealing with homelessness for years very effectively. One of them is a, run by a guy named Reverend Andy Bales who literally lost his leg helping the homeless out there on the streets. And then the L.A. County Board of Supervisor, now the chairwoman, is a woman named Catherine Barger who is the only sane person who seems to be addressing the responsibilities for mental health care provided by the county. Go ahead, Alex. Right. And so she she said today and she's and I think this is a consensus building problem with conservatives and Democrats, partially because we do have a monolithic government here in Los Angeles that is that is heavily Democrat. And, I don't care who. I don't care who, I don't care who it I, is. I know, it doesn't, yeah. I, I know, I know in, 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 in your my conversation, that's, that's totally irrelevant. Yeah. But it's very relevant politically mm. in the city of L.A. Mm. Uh, but Catherine Barger, who I, I, I like a lot, I love her work, I love that she's able to build consensus, which a lot of these other politicians are not doing. Mm-hmm. She said there's a great misunderstanding that, that you know, the, the, the county was, was uh, not working with the federal government because they were, mm-hmm. which is the complete opposite uh, they said that in the national news that that was a misunderstanding that they were, but that's not true. I, and and NBC uh, tweeted yesterday, John Caddy's Klimak tweeted actually two days ago saying the governor will not be working with the federal government. Again, so there's the, a big the, misunderstanding the, the, there, and it needs but, to be cleared up. I know. Well, the, this all everything that every word that 
Governor Newsom utters is of a political nature and not connected to reality. It may be that because of his political theater, he will not take the funds, but the funds are coming. And so there will be a way to get I, – I I, I w- I've been talking to the executive folks and they keep saying just stand by. So, Alex, I, I've got other calls I have to get to, but I'm going to ask you the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just stand by. I feel like I feel like the cavalry is coming. Exactly what they're going to be able to do, I'm not totally clear on yet. My own prediction is <laughs> – well, here's my prediction. Here's my prediction that, that it will be a spotty – Spotty federal emergency resources that open up and the beds remain empty because the laws in California <laughs> will prevent anybody from doing anything until they really issue an emergency statewide and require people to go into these shelters. Not, they will, that, that will be fascinating to me what their response is going to be when the, when the beds are empty. Because people don't want to go I into them. I agree with you 100%. So that'll be I, I say, who's more, who's more treatment resistant, right? The governor or the people on the street? Great question. That's my new, that's right? my, that's my new slogan, just so you know. All right, Alexander, <laughs> thanks so much. All right, okay, see you. Bye. Right, bye-bye. Uh, this is uh, Norman. Hey, Norman. Uh, hi, Dr. Drew. First time, long time. Thank you. So, um, you know, Mayor Koch... Um, addressed this problem when he was mayor mm-hmm. um, in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And he's a Democrat and a liberal, mm-hmm. but he finally said it's not good for folks to be living on the streets. And similarly, he addressed the public health crisis of AIDS by closing the bathhouses, which was similarly unpopular. And, 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 so and uh, Norman, at, Norman, let me just ahead, say, I will just say that and uh, whatever you think of de Blasio, he has put a good system in place for dealing with the homeless in New York City right now. I, I know, you know, it, it, all I can tell you, it probably looks bad to you. I know you're from Brooklyn, and I spent a lot of time in New York. <laughs> no, but listen, I spent a lot of time in New York City. It's infinitely better in New York City than Los Angeles right now. I can't even tell you how wow. much better it is. You can't even compare the two. So the fact that, you know, you think it's bad, trust me, those are the outliers. Most of them are sent to Randall's Island every night. Most of them get vouchers. Most of them get motivational enhancement. Most of them get treatments. And most of them are taken off the street. You know that 611 thing they have on the subways? They, they come and get yeah. people. They get them. They get them because if they don't get them, they die in the cold. And so they come and get them. They take them. They take them to Randall's Island, and that's that. And, and they do fine. So the New York is actually way ahead. And by the way, I believe your count is something like 20-something thousand as opposed to Los Angeles, which is 60,000. So whatever. Here we are. Wow. Yeah, and that's well, you I didn't realize we were in better shape. Yeah, you're a you, lot. You, you a lot any, better shape, which is weird. Do you have thoughts on your – I'm very excited about your uh, candidacy. Do you have any thoughts? On, I'd love to hear um, your thoughts about addressing the uh, – opioid crisis, the crisis of, a, of yeah. addiction yeah. and the rise in drug use. And what well, are you feeling? I mean, do, do you are you in favor of uh, decriminalization, oh. the uh, incarceration? No, I'm not. Uh, well, here's the deal. Uh, uh, they don't be- people with mental health issues don't belong in jail. They just don't. And, and I'm totally supportive of that. However, you need consequences to bring to bear on people to leverage and motivate them when they have mental health issues like addiction. And so I'm in favor of sort of mandated something. And I would love them to be community-based, Trieste plan. There's something called the Trieste plan, which is a community-based, vocational rehab, centralized outpatient care, meaningful social structure. Good. Let's do that. And, but let's put people in those programs and let's get them better. Treatment works. 
They die if you don't treat them. And by the way, Norman, I, I, I now have started to talk to homeless on the subways that, that ask – you know they're always there on the subway asking for money. And my first question to them is, why are you not utilizing the services? Why are you not utilizing them? And they're shocked always. And they have a, usually a wrap. And what's standing out for me right now is I spoke to a woman who had two kids and, she, and I go – she goes, I, she's like, I got to feed my kids, got to feed my kids. I go, where are your kids right now? In school. They don't get school lunches? Yeah, they get school lunches. I go, what about breakfast? Yep, they get breakfast at school. All right. And then home, at night, where do you go? Well, we go to the, we go to the shelter around Oak. Oh, excellent. And why don't you take the resources they have there? Well, I'm the, uh, the meth and blah, blah, the drugs and blah. I said, you're better than this. Come on, let's go. And no one ever tells her that. And she, I don't know, maybe she changed direction, maybe she didn't. But we got to all start really, really treating these people like human beings and asking for them to do more for themselves. Okay. You should record these conversations. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. It's a really good idea. Uh, Adam, what's going on? Uh-oh, maybe this isn't the right line. Is that the correct line there, uh, Gary? Is Adam on line four? Or maybe it's not Adam who has a question about Adam. In Napa, somebody in Napa? Nope, this is me, oh, Chicken Scratch, Aaron. Aaron. Aaron, there you go, Aaron. Sorry, guys. Hey, Dr. Drew, it's so great to talk to you. I've been listening. I'm 36 from Napa. I've been listening to you since I was 13 oh, or wow. 16, something like that. Crazy. 97. Crazy. Um, you, I never had to have the talk with my parents. Mm. I mean, I listened to Loveline. It was uh, on my Nickelodeon clock radio every night. And it's just <laughs> oh, awesome to, That's a bizarre awesome to finally image. say hi, and I just got to say thanks. Thank you. For all these years. I mean, um, you have so much insight and knowledge on everything, and... Um, uh, just wondering if you're ever going to get with Adam and maybe make a documentary, if that's... Um, like a documentary about our, our life together? Huh, well, ideally, no, anything, uh, any subject that you might, in, interesting subject that you have insight on. To, Somebody was to talking to me about a doc today, and, and Adam could be figured into that. So the answer is, I'm starting to look in that direction a little bit as some follow-ons to the kinds of things I've written about and TV shows I've produced in the past in, in a documentary format. So, yes, it's funny you bring it up today. Just today I've begun thinking that way. So there might be something there. Thanks, Aaron. Oh, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Thank you. Oh, oh one more thing. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, when I did listen to Loveline, I used to always think that you were a board-certified physician. Like, <laughs> you were bored on the radio station, and Adam was like, you didn't want to be there. Well, that's and all true, but uh, no, it's B.O. Uh, yeah, obviously, but I always thought, like, what, I didn't know what board certified was, but I thought you were kind of there being bored. That's uh, so obviously, funny. as the show progressed, you, um, it wasn't like that. Very kind. I, so I, it's I B- B.O. It I always, B-O- every time I hear that, I still listen to old episodes. And that's fantastic. I always think of that. It's fantastic. It's B-O-A-R-D as opposed to B-O-R-E-D. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate that. Uh, Perry. What's going on, Perry. Hey, Dr. Drew. Long hey. time, first time. Hey, buddy. What's going on? Hey, uh, you know, wondering how serious you are about running against Adam Schiff. Uh, obviously, coming from Pennsylvania, um, you know, it doesn't seem pertinent, but uh, somebody that we obviously, as Republican voters, like to see yeah, that I, change. I, 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 how I have, serious are you? I have no intention to run this time around. What happened was I was on the ACS show and I was saying how they, they he very Adam very kindly played the C-SPAN lecture I gave at the White House and 
afterwards we were kind of talking about how how morally affected I am by the mess in California and that I realized I lived in Schiff District for the last 20 years. I just started looking around and who's my representative anyway? Schiff, maybe I should run against him. I just said that on ACS show. Well, somebody from the Hill, a Washington sort of political rag, came sniffing around and I don't do print interviews. I just won't do them because they always distort my words. But this woman agreed to take down exactly what I said, and God bless her, she did. And I was very clear that I was morally moved. It made me think about the possibility of doing this, but I will not be, and I have no intentions to do so. And she wrote that in her article, and then every other news outlet distorted what she said. You want to see the greatest example, the greatest sort of experiment on fake news. This was a perfect manifestation. Every story was completely wrong. No one called her. No one called me. No one checked their sources. You want to know what fake news is all about? It's a great example right there. Sure. Well, just so you know, we were all excited when we heard it. Well, thanks. I, I, maybe next time. Maybe next time, but not no, no plan right now. All right? All right. Thanks, right. Dr. Drew. Thank you. Uh, let's get to Randy. Hey, Randy. What's up? Hey, Dr. Drew. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? So I have a weird... Uh, medical thing going on, and doctors, it's been three and a half years. Doctors don't even know what to test for now. Wow. Uh, three and a half years ago, I've had nine, nine knee surgeries, but randomly, my left knee swelled up huge. I think it was somewhere around 30-some cc's they drained out of it. First time in my life they've ever drained my knees. Okay. Two days after that, I had... I might say this wrong, but on the lateral epicondyle muscle near yeah. your elbow, yeah, it started itching to a point where it felt like an iron was on it. Wow. The same day, underneath my left arm, whether it's lymph nodes or sweat glands, swelled up real hard. And were they in your skin? Went away. Were they in your, sorry, what? Were they on the same side as that itchy feeling? Correct. Okay. Got it. That went away, and for the first year, I could tell when my knee was going to swell up because the itch would come back, the lymph nodes would swell, the next day the knee would be a balloon. So for right, the hold on a second. So, year, so, so the elbow, the okay. armpit, and the knee always occurred together? Always occurred together and always in the same order. The arm, then under the armpit, then the knee. Wow. So for the first year, that happened. Only the left side was never the right side. Uh. The second year, it started switching. Still the exact same muscle at the exact same location on my elbow. The sweat glands or lymph nodes or whatever is swelling underneath my arm would be random. Sometimes there would be five of them. They did not hurt unless I touched them. Once I touched them, if I brushed up against something, then they would continue to hurt. I get it. Did did anybody ever want to? Did did anybody ever want to take one of those out and look at it under the microscope? Uh, The they did it first. They said the the risk they run is if they do it once, it typically comes back a lot, which I voted against. Well, because they said you, you, once you cut, you might get them a lot. Yeah, not really. I, it, it seems to me you need tissue. You need a tissue diagnosis. Somebody needs to look at what's okay. going on. And it, okay. it I'm wondering, hmm, God. This so, how long has it been going on for? Three and a half years. 
and nothing has really progressed. It's just a remitting and recurring thing, right? Correct. Correct. And once it's happened, typically it's just one side or the other. Yeah. And one time it was both, like the exact same day, both. And when I say itching, there's a tiny bit of rash, maybe four or five bumps on that muscle on the elbow or, you know, on the forearm there. Yeah. Um, but it burns to the point where I have to put tape or something over it or I would just scratch through my skin. See, I, I think that is probably something going on in the nerve and the nerve is probably being affected in the armpit. So I'm betting that's the source of this. And I okay. and the question is, what does that have to do with the knee, which I have no idea? Are you on any medication? I am not. And have you been, I mean, have you been checked for strange infections, you know, histoplasmosis or babesiosis or all kind of crazy things out there? Or there's certain, there are granulomatous disease, things like that. I have been tested for a lot. I don't know a lot of the stuff you just said, but yes, they did do a lot did, of tests. Did they, and did they, they, I went to a rheumatologist. Okay. Did they look in your I lungs? Went, go ahead. Did they look in your chest and your lungs for stuff? No. See, that, that's kind of where I would kind of look around and see if it somehow figures into that. It's possible. It's not a – and I would want tissue. I'd want it, I want a node. I mean, it, okay. yeah, that, that's the only way I think you're going to get the answer. And how it relates – do you have a lot of hardware or plastic in, in with your knees? Uh, no. So I've had nine knee surgery. The only uh, metal I have is in the left knee. I had a – uh, artho arthroscopy patella resurfacing okay so they, they haven't left any debris behind just the uh, plastic under the kneecap is plastic okay again I'm and always... a screw that goes di- so one screw that basically is just like touching the underneath the kneecap yeah it would be unheard of but i mean you always wonder if somehow the foreign body that you've got in your knee could somehow immunologically activate your system in some weird way. I mean, I, I don't know. But, Randy, I have to move on. Thank you. Gary, you had a good experience with Heal. Heal is the best. This is not an, this is not an advertisement for Heal. This is literally Gary calling me today going, thank you for that service. This is my advertisement for yeah. Heal. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Drew told me several, several moons ago about this app that you can get that's basically Uber for doctors is the easiest way to describe it. You it fires up and it tells you, you know, it reads where you are on GPS and you can book a doctor. And I tried it that, t- that day and it wasn't in my area yet. And uh, I've since moved and I checked. And when I first moved, it wasn't there. But it's clearly expanding quickly because yeah, now it is. it is available at my home address. And Heal, H-E-A-L, Heal. And it's covered Correct. by insurance. Yes, it is. So that was my that was why I ended up kind of dragging you down and yelling at you about how much I loved it today because the first time I did it, I don't think I was pre-approved through my insurance or whatever. So I paid, you know, I think it was $135 or 139 or something and I was for the visit. For the visit. Yeah. And I so was in your home. In my home. They mm-hmm. showed up. I I was about 10 minutes to 8 a.m., and I booked one for 10 a.m., and they knocked on my door at 9.50 a.m. So was it for your kid? It was for my wife, actually, ah. but at the time, you referenced the kid, she had a three-month-old she was caring for, and yeah. she was on day two or three of something that was not good. It was yeah. clear she was going to give it to the baby, or she was going to at least be severely diminished while trying to manage a baby, and anyone who's had a newborn knows that's no picnic. I was already back at work, so I couldn't really help 
But same yeah. for Call Heal. That was how I could help. And and they'll show up in a couple hours at, oh. at most. Yep. They are spend a half hour with you. Yep. You're paying maybe thirty bucks copay or something. That was what I ended up paying. Yeah. Medicare covers it if it's an older person. The the parents love it because you don't have to go to a pediatric office if you have kids. Right. You don't have to get exposed to all the sick people. You don't have to wait in the waiting room. Just boom, this a, a family practitioner shows up. Exactly. Pow. And even for my wife, she the last thing she wanted to do. The reason she I had to. You know, force her to call Heal. She wasn't taking our baby to a urgent care center where right. it's full of sick people. No. She, she would Why rather would suffer. You, you no. pay for all that infrastructure. Exactly. You want a doctor, paid a physician, an MD to pay attention to you for a few minutes. That's what you get with Heal. With and by the way, they come with full equipment, right? Full equipment with a, an assistant. It was two on one for a half hour. Yep. My wife getting asked questions, asking any questions she could think of. Thirty and bucks. I, literally, as they walked out the door, I was I was about to leave for work, and it was like, "Are you sure there's no other questions?" They were not rushing. People don't understand how efficiently healthcare can be delivered if it's not in a setting where there's lots of people and equipment. You just get the professional to pay attention to you for 30 minutes and and you get really what you need. And my wife was the one who received that service. And when we got our confirmation from our insurance last night, finally, that the portion was covered. And as you said, Mm -hmm. it was a $30 copay. She said, that's what I pay for any specialist I go to. I'm never going to the doctors again. Great. And I think that's a bit of a you can use, you can use them as your primary care too. You oh, can pick a doctor and keep with it. Oh, I, I think that's what she's doing. Yeah, it's, good. It, it good. was so great. Thank you. Keep yes. me updated because no, I've been working with them. There are two things I'm working on right now that I think are solutions to major problems in healthcare. Heal is one, so doctors can just do their job without being encumbered by God knows what. And the other is the needle, needle destruction units, yep. uh, the we, uh, sand units. Correct. And we have a guest coming on soon that's going to talk to you about that for a while. Great. So stay tuned for that. But heal. Great. Uh, hit me on Twitter. If you have any questions, I will I, just just do this. Trust and the me. needle destruction thing is just this unit. You put the needle in and the needle is, is incinerated in a second. And you can throw away the needle in, in your trash. It's like the, it's no longer a needle. It's just not a needle anymore. It just, just eliminates needles. And I want to eliminate needle sticks because they cause tremendous cost and problems in this country. Heather, what's going on? Hi. Um, I called for one thing, but I think I want to help you with a different thing. Please. The guy that called with the knee pain and stuff. Yes. Um, okay. So I kind of had a simul- similar experience, and I might be able to help him with the diagnosis. Well, he had he had recurrent knee effusions, not pain, effusion, er, associate, yep. associated, okay. triggered by swollen lymph nodes in his auxilla, which is his armpit, associated yep. with nerve pain in his elbow. Yes. Okay. Okay, so he had surgery, right? Yep. Before? Yep. Okay, sometimes surgery seems like it kind of triggers something else, like an autoimmune mm-hmm. reaction or something to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I had went through the similar kind of thing. I had a tumor removed. Um, that triggered an autoimmune reaction. And I had brachial neuritis, which is a nerve damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, it's an autoimmune nerve damage, and I've had pain ever since. After that, it triggered fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, sure. um, POTS, mm-hmm. all these things. And I also got a diagnosis of mixed connective tissue disorder. Okay. Which um, is all, when I get flare-ups. Which all one, um, it's at probably the over. Bursitis. Tendonitis, a ton, um, usually in the same spots. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's I get all. Pain that's in all. Areas. That's all mixed connective, connective tissue disease. So the overarching yep, thing here is rashes. MC. Right. That's the MCTD. I get stomach issues. I have swelling in my glands. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're sick or flu-like. Um, 
could be fibromyalgia, it could be the chronic fatigue, or it could be the mixed connective t- tissue disorder. Uh, you know, I, I, I was treated for years with the um, with the med for um, <clears throat> like a autoimmune kind of thing because mm-hmm. I had inflammation going on, but they never knew what to diagnose me with right. because nothing ever fit. So yep. they just recently gave me a mixed connective tissue disorder diagnosis. Right. But it also could be fibromyalgia, and that's really hard to diagnose. Yeah. Not with a fusion uh, and uh, adenopathy, because those are specific pathologies. Uh, you know, fibromyalgia is pain. Okay. Uh, but in any event, but I, I agree with you, it could be a, a mixed connective tissue disease is certainly something he could have. That's a possibility. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, okay. Heather. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate all it. Right. You got it. Thanks. Uh, all right. Whew. What, a little bit of a wild ride here. That was that was wild. I, I you know it's a lot of topics covered, but I think yes. the most important one there was heel. heel. It was just a damn <laughs> so game excited. changer. I I love yeah. it so much. I know I appreciate that. And, that's uh, why I feel good about being a part of their system. I, I I I knew I knew when I heard about this. And and there's another magic ingredient you don't know that the, it's a couple that went to the emergency room with their child and spent all day in the emergency room. Went, there's got to be a better way to do this. She's a nephrologist, and she was like, I can tell you how to do it better. The husband's an entrepreneur. He put it together. But the magic ingredient is she's an extremely capable clinician, and she selects every physician personally that works for HEAL. And that's that's the ingredient that none of the other home visit programs have ever had with high, high quality physicians. I could not so, have been happier with so. mine, and I have zero fear or concern of calling them again. I just – I want – Everyone within the sound of my voice. If you have a question, ask me. We have our guest for next week, Vinny Tortorich, is back here. I closed my mic and he had questions. I've converted him as well. He's hoping right. to come into rural Virginia soon. Beautiful. So stay tuned next week if you're a fan of Vinny. And uh, thanks, man. This is right, a good show. See you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D R D R E W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Mm-hmm.